Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Galatians 6, starting at verse 1, says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. We're just going to pause here for one sec. When we are told here that we should test their own actions, and then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. I see this in multiple, multiple senses, in the sense of, one, I can easily feel better about myself when I compare to others. I don't know about you, but I can always find somebody who's worse than I am and it makes me feel better about myself. It doesn't mean I'm okay. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm fine. All it means is I'm better than that person. And how many people we know that that's wrong? Just even the way I say it, every one of us is like, yeah, Chad, that's wrong. But every one of us in this room do it. Every one of us, we can just look around the room and be like, oh, I feel a little bit better of myself. And it's not, we're not trying to, I don't believe anybody inside is literally trying to go, I think that person really is bad. We just try to make ourselves feel better. And the neat thing is, is once we compare to ourselves, we can take pride. When we test our actions to our own, then we can take pride. And here's the thing, because each one of us is supposed to carry our own load, which means I am not responsible for what you have. You are not responsible for what I have. We don't know each other's life. We don't understand everybody's stories. So therefore, we shouldn't judge. This is what I call the mirror test. I call it the mirror test because when I go to compare my life to myself, that means I need to look in a mirror and guess who I am not able to lie to? Can't lie to myself. You want to know the sad thing? I can lie to any one of you. Yes, as your pastor, I'm telling you, I could easily lie to any one of you. The same as you can lie to me. But when you look in a mirror and you go to compare your own actions to yourself, you cannot lie. So you might say, well, I've got a good walk with the Lord because I think it's better than so-and-so's walk. But when you look in the mirror, now you can only compare that one. Because see, when we get to heaven, when we stand before the Lord, my relationship with the Lord is not going to be compared to yours. It's going to be just mine. So my actions when I'm driving, my actions when I'm playing sports, my actions when I'm parenting, my actions with my spouse, everything does not compare to yours. I answer for me. Therefore, I have to be careful that I do not think that I am something that I am not. 
And every one of us has to read that verse and say, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, we only deceive ourselves. And it just holds us accountable. Because in society today, we love to compare because it makes us feel better. Nonetheless, verse 6, nevertheless, the one who receives instructions in the world should share, in the word, sorry, should share all good things with their instructor. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for privilege and honor to come to your house this morning to worship you and to seek your face and heart. And Lord, we ask this morning, Holy Spirit, that you come and speak to our hearts Soften our hearts and open our ears to hear from you this morning, to receive and to understand new thoughts, Father, to receive things that maybe we've read before, but now with a new light that you'll speak to us. Lord, as we pray for change in our world, as we pray for change in different areas of our workplaces, everything like that, Father, we pray that you begin that change in me, change in us. And Father, through the change in us, we can bring change to the areas that we step into. And so, Lord, speak to us this morning. Let my words be your words. Hide me behind your cross. In your name we pray. Amen. The Good News Translation says, verse 7, like this. Do not deceive yourselves. No one makes a fool of God. You will reap exactly what you plant. That doesn't take a lot of exclamation, does it? You plant corn, you grow corn. You plant um, barley, you're going to grow barley. If you plant wheat, you're going to grow wheat. We understand this when it comes to a natural sense. I am not going to go and plant um, corn hoping for watermelon. Right? Like we automatically go, well, of course, you read the package and go, this is what's supposed to be in here. So I'm going to plant it, and that's what I expect to grow. In the spiritual, it is the same. What we sow, we will reap. If you plant sin, you will reap corruption. If you plant righteousness, you will reap incorruption. What we sow, no matter how we do it, we reap it. So this morning we want to look at three universal truths when it comes to reaping and sowing. The first truth is this. As the scripture said, God is not mocked. Mocked means to scorn or to sneer. One cannot show contempt for the God's word and get away with it. We cannot hide from God. You think of Jonah. Jonah wanted to do what he wanted to do. He tried to run and hide. He tried to fool everyone. He got swallowed by a huge fish. There are moments in our lives where God has told us to do something and we try to do whatever we want. We read his scriptures. Sometimes when we say God has told us something, we think that we have a fresh revelation. No, there's moments where you read the scriptures and it tells you exactly what you were supposed to do with your life. You read through the commandments, you read through the New Testament, and you know that the Bible tells us to love our neighbors, but you hate yours. The Bible tells us to do good to those who curse us, but you just curse them. 
The Lord cannot be mocked. When we read scriptures and we read through and all of a sudden we go, oh, I don't like that verse, so I'm just going to skip it, and we keep reading, we are mocking the Lord. And we cannot mock him. So here we are, and we realize in our lives, Father, I just feel like I'm in this tight place, this crunch place. When we think of Jonah and the large fish, I'm just going to say the whale because it makes it easier, but we know that it doesn't necessarily mean it was a whale. The Bible just says large fish. So here's Jonah. We think of Veggie Tales when he's in there and there's all of this room. I don't think God found a large fish to swallow him so Jonah could be comfortable. He found a large fish so Jonah could fit. Right? Like, don't think like large fish so there was like a bed and a nightstand and a Bible so he could read and get intimate with the Lord. No, he is in this fish's stomach. There is seaweed. There is other fishes flapping around, burning up in the stomach acid. Does everybody wonder how Jonah did not just like burn up? Like, you know what I mean? Like, even that fact, forget the fact that he was swallowed, the fact that he's still alive is a miracle. I realize the whole thing's a miracle, but think of all the little ones that are in here. Sorry, I'm distracted. But you, you see in your lives where we get tight in these tight places and we're like, God, I need to be freed from this. And all it's, the reason is, is we're just like Jonah. We have not listened to what the Lord has told us to do, and then we ask the Lord, God, how did you let this happen to me? Just a reminder, Chad, you were supposed to go that way, and you went this way. So maybe you're not technically in a belly of a fish, but it's a little snug and tight and uncomfortable, isn't it? Yes. Can I go back over this way? Yep, but it might be a little messy getting out, just like Jonah got vomited out. And we wonder sometimes, God, how did you let this happen? I don't know about you, but when I really look back at some of the tough times in my life, a lot of them are because I made bad decisions. Now, don't get me wrong. Stuff has happened to me that I had no control over. Somebody else has done something to me, and I get that. But sometimes we have to be honest and go, why am I in this situation? And if you really examine yourself correctly, it could be because of a choice you made. And we need to stop blaming God for our bad choices. Luke 12 says this in verse 2. Whatever is covered up will be uncovered, and every secret will be made known. So when and whatever... So then, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in broad daylight, and whatever you have whispered in private in a closed room will be shouted from the housetops. I'm reading a book right now, and by that I'm listening to it on audio, and it's by Craig Rochelle. It's called Liking Jesus, and it's talking about our media-surrounded society we live in. And one of the things, as I read this, he talks about gossip and how bad it is and how much we post on Facebook. And he tells a story. He tells a story about a husband and wife who the husband had an affair and they kept it quiet and they were working through it and everything was going well. They were being counseled through it. Everything was starting to become healthy there. And one of the stages was to confide in some people to walk them through the final stage. And so they went to their small group. 
And their small group was instructed, this does not leave this small group. You do not tell anybody this. And they shared their heart and there was tears and there was another couple there that said, look, we went through the same thing and their hearts were broken and it was a great moment. But then one person left that small group and felt it in their heart as a good Christian person to share it with a friend so they could pray for them. That friend then took it and posted it on Facebook asking for prayer for this couple. And their marriage disintegrated. And Craig Rochelle says he is 100% positive that an affair did not wreck that marriage that gossip did. The things that we whisper in private rooms will be shouted from the hilltops. Do you know how many times I've heard people tell me from other churches, I'm being honest, that they were disagreeing with something and they were talking to Melissa and I and they're like, yeah, we, you know, we got together as a leadership team for this ministry and we were talking about all the things we thought were wrong with the church and then we prayed for the leadership. And I'm like, so you had a gossip sh- session and then you prayed to make it holy. Gossip is what's destroying people's lives today. If you read on social media, if you read and understand anything that's happening online, gossip is what's just destroying people's lives. Numbers 32, 23 says this, but if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Here's what you need to understand. God will not be mocked. So what you are sinning with in private that you think is hidden will come to light. It will. God has a way of bringing it to light, not to shame and destroy you, but to bring you to holiness and righteousness. What are you sowing when no one is watching? Number two, you reap what you sow. We daily reap what we have sown. As we just read, our our crimes will catch up with us. We reap in our lives if we sow distrust, envy, or hatred, and backbiting. That is exactly what we will reap in our lives from people around us. Can I tell you something? I learned this the hard way, and I'm confessing my sin as well as I say this, but the groups of people that you gossip with or that you talk ill of other people with, when you're not in that group, they're probably talking ill about you and gossiping about you. Because if they're willing to, willing to do it with a friend of yours who's just not there this time, they will do it about you when you're not able to make it. When we sow to the flesh, that is what we reap. But if we sow seed of the fruit of the Spirit, we will reap spiritual fruit. Matthew 6, 9b and verse 10 says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you realize it is our responsibility to sow heaven into earth? It is our responsibility to bring heaven to earth It is our responsibility that when we step into workplaces that we respond differently because heaven is in us. That we speak the words of the Lord. That in certain situations when people say there's no hope, we bring hope. 
Do you realize that when Jesus said, this is how you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wasn't just saying, this is kind of neat. He meant it. You need to realize as we pray, we can bring heaven to earth. You don't believe me? Here's Matthew 8, or 16, 19. It says this. Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Listen to this. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know these scriptures, but do you believe them? Do you understand that these are for you? Jesus means it so much that in Matthew 18, 18, he says this, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why would he say it twice if he didn't mean it? This is the power that we have. This is the authority that we can walk in. When the enemy's messing around with your family, when he's messing around with your home, I don't believe that I do massive long prayers to the enemy. I don't talk to him that much. I don't give him much attention. I pray really short to basically kick him in the teeth and tell him to get lost. And sometimes it's that simple. Enemy, you have no right in my home. I bind you in the name of Jesus and I tell you to get out. Now you have to follow it up. And Holy Spirit, I loose you in my house. Come and have freedom in my home. Holy Spirit, every corner of my house is yours. Every closet is yours. Every pipe in my home, every uh, air duct in my home is your presence only. Come and fill this place. Because if we cast something out and we don't fill it with the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us it'll come back seven times stronger. So if it seems like you're in a mess again and it seems worse, it's because you didn't fill it with God's presence. So do it again. Cast the enemy out and tell the Holy Spirit to come. This is the power that you have. Take some oil and walk through your house and anoint the door frames and the window frames. Also anoint the taps and the drains and the, the furnace and every aspect that something can get in. You know yourself that if all of a sudden you had ants in your house, you would find every point of entrance. The enemy can get smaller than an ant to get into your house. Find it all. Pray over it. Take authority over it. Man in the room, if you have a home, you are the spiritual head of your home. This is your responsibility. If something's happening in your home and it just feels weird, do this. If you don't have anointing oil, your wife has cooking oil. Use it in the name of Jesus Christ and it will work. This is the authority we have to bind things and to loose things. And if we sow into it, we will reap it. If you sow prayer into your home and to bind the enemy and cast him out, you will reap peace and joy and sleep. Less tension, less awkwardness, laughter, excitement. I don't know about you, but I enjoy laughing. Right, Pastor Carlo? (laughs) 
In both of these verses, I know I love it. everybody's like, everybody's dying laughing because they know he has no idea. I love you. I'm not making you pay 20 bucks. For those that haven't been here a long time, the first time he spoke, it cost me $20. In these, both of these verses, in both of these verses, when it says, what you bind will be, where the words will be are said, I want you to know it can also be translated, will have been. Already done. Not that it will come to pass. The moment you do it, it will be. It's have been done. It's have been done already. I know it doesn't make proper grammar. That's why it says it this way. But it means as soon as you bind it and loose it, it's done. It's done. Melissa and I have had nights where our kids aren't sleeping, we're not sleeping, and we're like, what is going on? And we just get some oil and we go through our house and we pray over the windows and doors and the taps and the drains and all the different access points to our house. And we can tell you that our kids sleep peacefully and we sleep peacefully in our home. Just because you've done it once doesn't mean you don't do it again. Take authority. What do you want to plant in the field of your life? Defeat or power? I don't know about you, but I want to plant power in my home. I want to plant God's authority in my home. The third truth is this. We always reap more than we sow. Is that not exciting? You will always reap more. I've done this before, but some of you are new. That cut awesome. What do I have in my hand if you can see it? An apple seed. You guys do me a favor? Can you tell me how many seeds are in that apple? See, the neat thing is this. These guys can count right now for me. Add one because I got one in my hand. Not to throw you off. Ten. See, it's easy and fairly quick, especially when I get them to do it. How many seeds are in an apple? But can you tell me this answer? Since you guys answered that one, can you guys tell me this answer? How many apples are in this seed? A lot. Because we have no idea how many apples are in this seed. You have no idea how much you will reap by planting a single seed. It's exciting that we can do this. You guys can eat that if you want. It's brand new. I want to introduce you to Maya. She's a corgi. Can we put the picture of the dog up? Isn't she cute? Now, I'm going from what the internet says, so if it's not true, it's still a good laugh. This is a corgi named Mia. She got into some raw pumpkin seeds. If you're new to church, I like having fun in church. She then pooped them out in the backyard. And the owner, another bad thing is Mia likes to bug or dig holes. And she happened to poop near one of her holes. So the owner, instead of scooping, just threw it in the hole and filled it in. The next year, they have pumpkins. (laughs) Don't worry, there's a point to this. 
There are moments in our lives you need to know that you are sowing all the time whether you mean to or not. You are planting seeds whether you mean to or not. So you always have to be aware of what you're saying and how you're acting because you are sowing seeds into people's lives. So parents who plant seeds of indifference to their children, to the things of God, will reap the same indifference in their children and grandchildren. Do you know that studies are showing more and more that when we skip church on a Sunday morning to go to whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's great-grandmother's 100th birthday party. What our kids understand is a birthday party is more important than Jesus Christ. None of us mean this. I understand that. But what we're teaching our children is the inimportance of God. Statistically, church attendance is dropping everywhere because other things are more important than Jesus Christ. Now get me. I know that when you miss church, in your head, you're not saying Aunt Susu's birthday party is more important <laughs> or anything like that. But what you are saying unintentionally is this is more important than Jesus. Going shopping is more important than Jesus. Playing hockey is more important than Jesus. Doing different things is more important than Jesus. We have to realize that this is what we are saying to people. Are we sowing in the flesh or in the spirit? What we need to understand is every action, if you hear this, every action that you do, every word that you speak, or every inaction, or every word you don't speak, sows seeds. If you sit there and somebody says something that's derogatory towards the Lord, maybe it's derogatory towards a family member of yours, and you sit quiet, do you realize that you sow seeds of agreement? I'm not telling you to start fights and arguments, but maybe there's conversations that you need to dismiss yourself from. Maybe you need to say, I feel uncomfortable with this conversation. I don't know if Sandy would be okay if we were talking this way when he's not here. We need to know that we are always sowing seeds and reaping harvests from them, whether we intentionally do it or we actually don't do anything. We are still sowing seeds. Psalms 25, 5, 5 and 6 says this, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go without weeping, carrying seeds to sow, oh sorry, those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. When was the last time you actually wept for lost souls? When was the last time you actually wept for your neighbors and your coworkers or your family members praying? Do you know that when you sow seeds you want to water? Do you know that your tears can help? When was the last time your heart broke for what breaks God's? Are you passionately seeking and praying? Not just for yourself, but for the lost. The Bible, when Jesus left, he didn't say go and live in peace. He said go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Does your heart break for it? 
I love, I love, love, love the fact that the chair of our board is up here praying for our police officers and our mayors and he breaks because it lets me know that the leadership across the whole thing, hearts are breaking for what breaks the Lord's. When was the last time your heart broke? Not judgment, not judgment to people, but your heart broke because you saw them with the Lord's eyes. John 15, 8 says, This is to my Father's glory, that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to me like my disciples. God wants us to have a harvest because it's for his glory. It's not for us. It's not so somebody here can stand up and be like, Chad, I just want you to know I led 10 people to the Lord this week. It's not what it's about. It's about God's glory as we love others. Matthew 9, 35 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, listen to this, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Does your heart break? I want to read you a card because I also want to encourage you for what you are doing. This card was actually given to me this morning. And many of you will remember back in the fall, we took up an offering and we split it. We said, whatever comes in, we'll use half to help uh, run the church and the other half's going to get set aside for needs in our community. We've done many things already with it, but I want to read this card to you. Thank you so much for making my world a little more beautiful with your kindness. And then on the card on the inside, Bethel Pentecostal. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. I've been truly blessed by your financial support in regards to my need of dentures, or dental work, sorry. Four years ago, I received an estimate for my uh, dentures, at which point was just not in the foreseeable future. Coming to the present day and to my need had increased as I could no longer hobble through with what I currently have. I just want to express a gratitude and, a, and then fullness, a gratitude and fullness for you and simple dreams. Forever grateful. And then the person's name. And then inside the card just says, I really, it really meant a lot. We are sowing seeds. And this is why God is pouring out his favor in our house. In his house. He's pouring out favor here. Because you are sowing seeds. But I want to encourage you and remind you that every action you do is sowing seeds. So as you leave today, no matter where you go, think of what you're saying and how you're acting. Because we are sowing seeds for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the honor to call you my father. And Lord, I don't take that for granted. So Lord, I want others to call you daddy. And so Father, this morning as we leave this place, as we go on our way, Lord, don't let a service, don't let a word go vanishing. But today, let us pray for one person each to come to know you. And Lord, maybe at supper tonight, we're crazy and bold and do it again. 
and maybe at breakfast. Maybe we do it more than just mealtime. And then all of a sudden, Lord, there's this passion that stirs up in us for them more and more and for the lost souls that you've put around us. So, Lord, challenge us, speak through us, and, Lord, help us to be sensitive to your spirit, guiding us and leading us. And so, Lord, today, protect us as we go. Let us be a light for you no matter where we are and help us to sow seeds of righteousness, seeds that draw people to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.